This is a story about two men. They competed for the same job. One was white, the other black. <laughs> One liked to talk a lot. You said, uh-huh. The other was shy as a three-year-old. Mm-hmm. Hey, rookies gotta stick together. Our story is about how they came to know each other, fight each other. I'm gonna whip you, Sayers. But you gotta be at your best. And help each other. I think I... I owe you a beer. How are you? A lot more than that. Yeah. What it comes down to is that J.C. had an ocean here, and Ed seems to think it's a good idea. We'd like you and Brian Piccolo to room together. You had me worried. I thought it was something really. Yes, this, this, this is something really. Man, you're talking about a white man and a black man rooming together on a team that's never been done before. What J.C. is saying is that there may be some pressures, severe ones. I was afraid to get up. I figured not everything was going to come with me. You have never seen anyone so black and blue in your life. It's like a rooming with a colored player again. <laughs> Gail told the joke. Gail, I'm sending Brian Piccolo back to Chicago. He's always been in shape, willing to give 100%. He's not doing that anymore. And that's what worries me. I don't know what it is. Could be something physical, or it might be a, an emotional disturbance. I mean, I know perfectly well what's wrong with me. Gail, I, uh, I think I'm pregnant. Don't make fun of me, Brian. I'm scared. I'm no idiot. This thing I got's bad, I know that. But, uh... Well, it's just a detour, Joy. I'm not gonna let it stop me. I'm just not. There's no way. The tough, tender, and true story of Gail Sayers and Brian Piccolo. He is Kevin. This is the Props Podcast on the Beckett Podcasting Network. And this week we are brought to you by Spotty Hot Cash, who operates our Spotty Hot Cash hotline on the Fat Packs. But that's neither here nor there because we're back in the studios today after a, a, a delay. It was my fault. My kids got sick, Kevin. Mm. Sorry about that. Got back from Toronto. Kids were sick. I was like, honey, I, I, I'm, I'm going to stay home with you and take care of the kids. Did the right thing. That's did, nice. Did the dad thing, That's right? That's nice. I mean, you were just gone, so you pretty much had to stay. Yeah, else. exactly. So uh, they were sick, but we're back in the studios today. Uh, Going to shut down season three here of Props as we r- wrap up with Brian's song, a film that neither you or I had ever seen. Nope. And after reviewing it, I'm kind of, eh. It, it wasn't horrible. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't bad. Oh. Uh, I loved this movie. Of course you did, Kevin. I'm a heartless bastard, but I love this movie. (laughs) This was great. So um, here is where we usually do taglines and stuff like that. uh, This was a made-for-TV film, so there wasn't really 
a tagline except for the one that is the obvious one. It says, an inspiring true story of friendship and courage. Mm. And that's exactly what this was. Uh, there's no box office to discuss. Right. There's, no, there's none of that. So we, But we can't talk about the red carpet. Oh, Okay, I did not realize that they received a red carpet, but okay, the good. Red, the, the the cast of this is is James Caan, Billy D. Williams, Jack Warden, and then a bunch of other people I didn't know. But you said there's one more. There's one more, and I know him for uh, Bernie Casey. Okay, so Bernie Casey is probably you know like outside of depending on where you think the wives fall in this, the fourth or sixth lead in this movie. Sure, he was, I do believe, the principal. In Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Ah. And so that's instantly where, like, you know, I recognize him from. And then Jack Warden, you know, he was like, if you go a little further back, 12 Angry Men, more contemporary. He was in, like, While You Were Sleeping. Was it Jack Warden in uh, uh, The Replacements? Didn't he own the team? Uh, yes, I believe that is accurate as well. Okay. And then I, I, I didn't know this, but I instantly thought he looks kind of like Walter Matthau a little bit. A little bit, And yeah. they made a Bad News Bears TV show where I guess he played the Walter Matthau character. Oh, I no. never saw that, but when I was looking it up, but yeah, that's right. He was in The Replacements, but I recognize Bernie Casey from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Bernie Casey, who plays JC, uh, who was a real football player. And he did a pretty good job for yeah. for you know pulling that off. He wasn't bad. J.C. Carolina, who he, play, who he plays, who was the captain of the Bears back in the late sixties, early seventies. So uh, let's let's just jump right into it. We, we typically ask where were you when you first saw it, but uh, evidently you were on your couch this weekend. So <laughs> I, I was in my bedroom because I had trouble sleeping, and uh, I was like, you know what? It's time to fire this movie up. Let's do it. Uh, and I I just I thought it was really good like so it's it comes out in 71. Mhm. And so like it has I don't know if I if I didn't know this was a TV movie, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have identified it from just watching it. The biggest tip off might have been the music cuz the music's a little cheesy at times and they hit the main like I don't know if it's called the Brian song theme or whatever, but yeah. they fire back to that several several times which, you know, a little bit and sure is the message at times a bit heavy-handed like a TV movie might be? Fair enough. But, <laughs> like, I'm not immune to some of the criticisms that might come with this movie, especially now. Like, maybe it worked even better in the 70s. But I, I will tell you a couple things that I thought it had going for it is James Caan and Billy D. Williams. I really do think they have excellent chemistry sure, yeah. in this movie. And it kind of does set a template for the buddy movie, you know, because at first, like, well, not to get too deep into this, but this is one of the subplots of the movie is one of them is white, one of Mm -hmm. them is black, so they shouldn't get along. One of them is more fun in James Caan Mm -hmm. or Brian Piccolo. One of them is more kind of stoic in Mm -hmm. Gale Sayers, so they shouldn't get along. And they're competing for the same job. That's another reason that they shouldn't get along. And so there are many reasons that these two shouldn't get along, but I'll be if they don't eventually figure it out. So, like, it really does have the template of a buddy movie stuff in there, too. It's almost like Bosom Buddies, that popular 1980s. I can see that. <laughs> you know, without the drag and I everything. can see that. Man, uh, yeah, you know, again, I didn't think it was horrible. I think what my problem with it was is it's it just felt, felt dated. 
Is uh, it, yeah, is it, I can see that. But the story is great. Yeah. And uh, it makes me actually want to check out the remake that was released, I guess, in the early... Yeah, yeah, 01. So, but in general, like, this is this is a story of... of of a, it's a love story is what it is. Their their relationship is as friends and is how they how they grow. They come in, in the same rookie class, yep. and um, they go through training camp training camp together. Uh, play a couple of quick. That's another thing I noticed about this. There were there were no there was no time wasted. It was like uh, boom, yeah. boom boom boom. Well, this boom. movie's like an hour and fifteen yeah, minutes an hour long. Fi- yeah, so. exactly, exactly. So it it's a it's a love story of their of their friendship and it it hit important notes i guess for me but it, it just felt dated the tv thing you were mentioning earlier with, with the song that kept going back to that theme i thought the way that some of it was cut it looked very soap opera-ish uh of the time which might very well have been what they were going for yeah very I'm well i'm not sure very well so uh let's just start with the opening scene uh Piccolo tells him that he has to talk in House's right ear because <laughs> so genius because he's deaf in the other ear yes. and so then like instantly he gets on the wrong Gale Sayers gets on the wrong side yeah. of George well literally of right. George Hallis <laughs> because he's like what the hell are you doing finally yeah. and then he realizes well he got pranked yep. by Brian Piccolo mm-hmm. and then what's the logical thing when somebody pranks you even if you're not normally a prankster you prank you him, prank right, him back. right back and so when Piccolo's running in his mouth and essentially going to get Gail Sayers fined in one of the team dinners Twenty-five the meeting. Yeah. He slips, was it mashed potatoes? Mashed potatoes. Under his seat, and so he sits in the mashed potatoes, which I, I thought it did a good job of defining the characters as well because Piccolo is more bold. He, right. would, he would have you try to pull off a prank against the head coach, right. whereas Gail Sayers is more subdued and he'll put food on your chair. Exactly. You know, like, they're both pranks, <laughs> But they're both like individually their style of of prank, and so I I agree they wasted no time, and I thought they did a really good job of setting up that Brian Piccolo is the more outspoken, wacky, probably less talented guy, mm-hmm. whereas Gail Sayers is the more stoic but clearly more talented. Like they even have a meeting early on about team cuts and stuff, and right. and uh, Coach Hallis is like, "Yeah, we'll keep Piccolo around because he." tries really hard and then we'll cut him at the end and they're like what about gail sayers he's like well that's the team yeah you know so you're like you get it really quick like piccolo ain't on the same level or even close as sayers so you being a sports radio guy and have you ever interviewed anybody or had any kind of interaction with anybody who has regaled you with stories of gail sayers from from college or or in the pros yeah i haven't that's unfortunate and like seeing as how you know he played and was done playing before mm-hmm. i was even born it's a bummer because you missed sure you know you missed all of it and but just everyone said the way he ran and the strides that right. he had and then you know, not too long after, like you're talking, a you know, less than a decade after that, then you end up getting Walter, Walter Payton. Exactly. And so, what a blessed franchise for running backs. And then there. Neil Anderson, <laughs> Rashad Salam. Rashad yeah, Salam. He won a Heisman Trophy. Tim Biaka Batuka. Oh, Tim Biaka Batuka from Michigan. Uh, or was Michigan? Yeah, it was Michigan. Michigan yeah. yeah. Uh, so it was. I asked that question because what what I wanted to get at get to was the uh, they obviously used game film for real game real, film, real yeah. game from and uh, we were talking off air and I was telling you that James Conn was by far the better athlete but in this game film that they used against the 49ers both times uh, or 
all three times or whatever, he, like, you saw the power of Gale Sayers just crushing people on the field. And he seemed really fast, yeah. too. It kind of reminds me of, and I know this is fictitious, but going back to Leatherheads, one of the one of the hooks with uh, Jim Krasinski mm-hmm. is he was just faster, quicker, more agile right. than everyone, and it kind of felt like the real-life version of that yeah. with Gale Sayers. Is so he would go out there, and he was quicker than everyone. He seemed to be more agile. Mm-hmm. He seemed to be stronger. And then the only thing that could take him down was kind of an injury, and you right. eventually saw that. That's the one bad part, and because we always talk about like how realistic do the scenes look. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, they look real because they are real. real. Yeah. And then there's just when Gale Sayers gets hurt, there's the jarring cut Right. Going from his real injury to them acting out his injury. Yeah. That part of the movie, I was like, come on, guys. I think we could have done better. We went from this beautiful yeah. NFL films style Black film. and white, yeah, but, right? Yeah. To color, here's and him, him yelling. Yeah. Oh! So he, he rips up his knee. That part was... And I don't know if Dr. James Andrews was James James Andrews was in business yet, but he evidently hey, went to some James might, Andrews facility. He might be out of business soon. Oh yeah, he's getting sued. Sharif right? Floyd sued him for 180 million dollars. Yeah, that's crazy. Kind of overestimating his worth, but you know. <laughs> um, but and that was another thing that I really liked about the movie is they show the the friendship right. of it all because you know Piccolo sees that Gale Sayers is the future. Like, he gets that he's not as good as Gale Sayers. Mm -hmm. And then he legitimately gets excited when, you know, they're both going to play tailback and, like, when he's going to back him up. And he seems legitimately excited when they're going to room together, even though at the time they were the only white and black Black, player in the NFL, which I didn't realize, which that's kind of astonishing at the end of the 60s, but I guess it probably shouldn't be. Like, there are things that astonish me because I wasn't born yet where people who live through it are like, You're a naive (laughs) fool, you know? But, like, Piccolo seems genuinely excited. But you can see that Gil Sayers is, I don't know if he was, like, ready to give up on football. But, man, if it doesn't seem like he's ready to just kind of toss in the towel. Yeah, it's kind of not what he thought it would be. and, and, And Piccolo's there to, like, fire him up, make sure he keeps working. And I really like that element of the story, and it furthers their friendship. Yeah, it sure does. And... And that then it gets even further illustrated when he does get hurt, and James Conn is the first one there to help him. Oh yeah, through the 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 rehabilitation, and it's God. I want a friend like. Can we be friends like that, Kevin? Yeah. Yeah. You want to? Yeah. You go blow your knee up, and I'll come. Absolutely, man. <laughs> awesome. I or we could just you know support each other without devastating. Oh injury. yeah, we could do that too. But I feel like that's how you learn your friendship. You know, like it, they. It's kind of funny. They always joke like you can't replicate game conditions. Well, mm-hmm. you can't replicate a trauma a traumatic situation right. like that. Like we could say we'll be there for each other, but if I got hit by a car or something, like <laughs> that's when you would really find out what's what, right? Well, the true the true test of a friendship is uh, needing a ride to the airport at like three in the morning. Sure. Sure. <laughs> hey, I might be a good person for that because there's a decent chance I'm up at three in the morning. Okay. I, I watch this movie at three in the morning. Did you really? Yeah, because sometimes uh, and we've joked about this before. Like if uh, Corey and I, you ready for it? Yeah, go Shameless ahead. plug alert: the KNC masterpiece <laughs> seven to eleven weeknights on one hundred five three. The fan plug alert. Uh, if we ever did the morning show, is I think if that became my life, I would just stay up. 
Okay. And then just sleep during the day, like kind of vampire style. Yeah, right. Because I'm such a night person, and I would much rather be up at three in the morning than seven in the morning. Gotcha. And so I think that would be me. So yeah, I, I always tell people like if they have trouble sleeping or if they're having a tough time in life, and I was like, hey man, if you're up at two in the morning, shoot me a text. I might be awake. <laughs> and I was like, I woke up at three in the morning, couldn't get back to sleep, and I try to do something productive. Right. And I've never seen this movie, mm-hmm. so I was like, all right. Let's let's do it. I remember when you t- you texted me early in the morning. I'm I often like I'll need to text you or whatever for for whatever. And uh, you texted me and it was early in the morning. I'm like, why is he awake right now? But that makes sense. Oh yeah, okay. And so just to show, I texted you at you know about eight o'clock, yeah. give or take. So by that point, I had already watched the movie, gone to the gym, oh, wow. gotten up with my son, made him lunch, and taken him to school. Wow. Because I couldn't sleep. And I wanted to try to do something, something productive. And so that's what I did when I texted you to tell you that I loved the movie. That's Well, that was awesome. Yeah. I was uh, just getting up, going, having breakfast in Toronto. Hey, if I could have <laughs> slept, that would have been about the time I would have been getting up. Uh, another thing I want to point out here is not only this is a great story of their relationship, but their wives as well. It's kind of a kind of a sub, sub little subplot, but... They they have good uh, they have a good relationship and it's and it's illustrated by them going out having pizza and drinking some beer. No, absolutely. Um, I surprised it wasn't a malt liquor, but it, you know it's just <laughs> Colt forty five. Yeah, and there's a devastating scene where you know one of the wives is there with Gail Sayers, mm-hmm. and they they have to tell. Brian, that things aren't getting better, right. and you can tell that the wives are hurting sure. just as much, and that's one of the uh, spoiler alert: he dies. Right. Uh, that's one of the most devastating parts of this whole thing is he had three little girls. Three. He was he was twenty six years old, and he had Golly. three kids. That is, I know I understand that we're in the age of the millennial right now, and that's just not happening. But I guess sure. you know, in the late sixties, early seventies, that's probably that probably wasn't uncommon. Yeah, you, you got married. You got married. If not kids. in college, by certainly by the time you graduated exactly. college, and then you started having kids, and so that was the thing. And yeah, you're right because there's some devastating scenes with all of the family right. involved, mm-hmm. with Gail, Brian, both of their wives, and you're just like, oh, this stinks. And that's <clears throat> there's two other ways that I knew that this movie was really effective for me is emotional scenes like that. Like I truly was feeling bad for them. Sure. And that's partially the acting as well. Right. But then the other, the other way I knew that this movie had really won me over is I thought it was based on a true story. Like I was pretty sure. Mm-hmm. But then after this, I wanted to go read up about Brian Piccolo. Like obviously I know who Gail Sayers is, right, but right. I can't say outside of Brian's song, I'd ever heard of Brian Piccolo. Sure. And this made me really want to read up more about him as a player, as a person. Mm-hmm. And that's how I always know that a movie affected me sure. or I thought it was good is like you see movies like Apollo 13 or the King's speech that are based on a true story. And you're like, Oh, I hope they make it home. Or I hope he <laughs> delivers the speech. And you're like, do you speak German? Obviously he delivers the speech, but you're still nervous for him. And right. I was still kind of hoping that somehow Brian Piccolo would pull through this, even though in, in my <laughs> heart, I'm like, not going to happen, dude. Yeah. He's not going to make He's it. And I'm like, re- he might get it. He seems optimistic. <laughs> He was a very optimistic person. So he was. With that being said, what did you find out about Piccolo in, in your research? It was really interesting. The year that Sayers was hurt, he really did take over mm-hmm. number one uh, rushing duties for the Bears, and they were 
awful that year. They were like okay. one in eleven or something. Oh, wow. Not that it falls at the feet of him, but when you lose a franchise changing player, mm-hmm. I mean, just look back at the struggles that the Cowboys had last year, and that was partially because you lost a franchise changing player in Ezekiel Elliott right. and the uncertainty around surrounding that. But when you lose a franchise changing player, which Gale Sayers was, like you hit hard times, and it's really interesting because. You know, most of the Bears lore that I know is of greatness Mm -hmm. is, you know, you had the 85 Bears. And then obviously when you go back to the pre-Super Bowl era, we even talked about this a couple weeks ago with Leatherheads. You have some iconic Bears teams that rule all over the NFL. But people might forget there was a time, especially early on in the Super Bowl years, Mm -hmm. where the Bears were a non-factor. Exactly, because the Packers ruled that division. Yeah, no, absolutely. And they were a non-factor. And it was interesting to see that, like, they kind of look like they're about to come up in the world, especially when it, with a coach as iconic as Hallis. And then when he goes out, they suck. They absolutely suck. Uh, this is—I know that it, of the time, it was commonplace, it, but in today's NFL, you just don't see it. And please don't take this wrong, but the white running back—the—you the, don't see that—that that position is pretty much dominated by African Americans. Sure, and, and they. And then rightfully so, they're they're awesome. But I mean, I like I think of white running backs in my time. I think Travis Jarvey or you know uh, uh, Mike Allstott or something like that. Yes, Mike <laughs> Allstott for sure. But and he was more even of a fullback. That's yeah. right. Uh, but during the sixties and seventies, it was commonplace in the NFL to see the white running backs with like Forrest Gregg and uh, just well, name you know pick a guy almost. It was, but that was because the league was almost segregated. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, well, I mean, absolutely. I think that's fair to say because I mean, and and if you don't believe it, that's even hammered home by you know uh, Gale Sayers thinks when they have that meeting about him rooming together right they think he thinks he's going to get changed position right because you want me to play split back or yeah, yeah exactly because you can't have a black man as your marquee running back which if you look at the times is absolutely ridiculous right. because you're talking about some of the most iconic running backs of all time and that brown, you're yeah, yeah you're just jumping off the heels right. of jim brown you're about to go into the era of oj simpson right like so you're talking about not some of the greatest black running backs you're talking about some of the greatest players exactly. in the history of the nfl who happen to be black running backs but yeah you I'm can glad s- you picked up on what i was saying no that. yeah absolutely <laughs> but yeah no you can see the terror in gail sayer's face because he sits down yeah. with hallis and he thinks that they're going to switch his position right and you know what it kind of reminded me of a little bit about a more contemporary is the black quarterback who more yeah. often than not gets dubbed an athlete well let me get back to that in just a second because yeah. there's something like super racist that happened in recruiting for a really long time mm-hmm. is um and so when they were like no we want you to room with brian piccolo and he's like Okay, and what else? And they're like, no, this is a huge deal. You'd be the only black and white person rooming together. And he's like, I don't care. And so, which is awesome because like, that's how you know the friendship's going to work if you didn't know that already. But to your point about the segregation, they were the only ones. This is the end of the 60s. That's that's 50 years ago, people. That's crazy. But like the more contemporary version of it is the black quarterback. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but... There is a, and I don't know if in the last couple of years Rivals has done away with this, but I always, I always found this to be shockingly, maybe not so low key racist. Is the top dual threat black quarterbacks would be in a category called athlete? athlete. Yeah, and it was always weird because 
you would see guys and they were like, well, we don't project them as quarterbacks at the next level. Why? If you can succeed at the highest level of high school football, and that's what I always say, if you can succeed here in North Texas, I don't care what school you go to, you'll make it at the next level, or you'll have a shot at making it at the next level. Because this is as good as it gets for high school football in the country. And if you can make it here, Mm -hmm. I don't care if you don't have like the regular measurables or whatever. It's one of those things where people make fun of coaches for going, he's just a football player. And I make fun of them sometimes too, but sometimes they're not wrong. Like Sometimes you can't quantify a position. I can just tell you, he's a football player. Put him on your team, he'll make it. Cordell Stewart. Yeah, but you would see that Cordell quarterback and yeah. he he like we had Cordell Stewart on we used to have him on every week last year mm-hmm. uh during football season and he talked about some of the struggles he had to stay a quarterback why because he was black and he could run mm-hmm. so don't you want to be a running back don't you want to be a sure. wide receiver don't you want to be a cornerback no I play quarterback mm, but mm. you can run All right quarterbacks can't run right and so that's the that's the more updated version, I sure. think, of what you, the problems you ran into with the halfback. As you as you're explaining this, and I'm thinking about that era of football. At the end of that decade, uh, the end of the '70s is when Warren Moon was coming out, and he was absolutely blackballed from the NFL. And sure, he, and he ended up in Edmonton this, with yeah. Eskimos. With collect, collecting side, find you a JUCO uh, Edmonton Eskimos Warren Moon card, and you're paying about three or four hundred dollars for it. It's not. It's not a cheap thing to have. So, wow! Did you know that uh, there's there's one other, and he's slipping out of my head at this exact moment. But Warren Moon is one of two quarterbacks in the modern wing of the NFL okay. that never made it to an NFL conference championship game. The reason why I bring this up is because I know he won five Grey Cups right. in Canadian Football League. Uh, but whenever people ask me about Romo being a Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. I'm saying I say no because. Everybody else who's ever done it has made it to at least the conference championship game. Mm-hmm. And then Warren Moon didn't. He won five Grey Cups. And the guy who – the other one who didn't, he had five individual passing titles. Oh, wow. And so you have to put up, like, league-leading stats, which Romo was, like, in the mix but mm-hmm. never actually wasn't, like, a consistent league leader. Sure. And that's why I think he's got no chance of making it. But you're right. Yeah, Warren Moon, because you can run. And that was the thing about, like, you think about guys like, what, Randall Cunningham. Right. Well, he can't really be a quarterback. Quarterback. Why not? <laughs> well, because well, he's a running quarterback. There's... What's the difference? A quarterback is a quarterback. You have an exactly. extra set of skills. Great. <laughs> There's a lady in this office who, whose favorite player is Randy Moss, but right under that is Randall Cunningham. Sure. And she has one of the best autographs of his I've ever seen. It's of him leaping over the defender. Yeah. And, and it, it signed Randall Cunningham and inscribed Ultimate Weapon. And I was like, that's that's beautiful. <laughs> it, it's awesome. And if you're looking for that other element of like racism that persisted even not 20 years ago, Randall Cunningham's a running quarterback. John mm-hmm. Elway's a, a regular quarterback. Why? Ah, yes. John Steve Elway's Young, a exactly. run. Steve Young. They yep. both run. Exactly. Like you, whenever you see rushing statistics, those two are all over it. Yep. But they're white. Exactly. So they're regular quarterbacks, which just preposterous absolutely preposterous and that is a running theme throughout this film oh sure but they do a great job uh again whether it be acting and the writing they just they squash the whole thing look we're 
we're just at, we're just athletes and we're going to play football. We're football players. Yeah. And what how you perceive us doesn't matter. Yeah. The we're only do our job. The only low key beef they might have is at the end of the day they were still competitors. Exactly. And they were both competing for the same job. Exactly. But like it was a friendly competition, mm-hmm. which I really liked. I really liked it too. So. Um, Khan gets him through his, uh, or I'm sorry, Piccolo gets him through his his rehab, and there's the scene there where the final days of his rehab, he, he falls down, and as they're having a race, and he they acts like he hurts his knee, and he gets up, and they run, and the the first one of the truck has to, or the loser has to buy the beer. So, yep, uh, a lot of foreshadowing there, and he says. He says, uh, Khan says, I think I owe you a beer. And, and Billy D. Williams says, I think I owe you a lot more. And then that sets up the second part of the movie. And then the second part of the movie, man, it hits you like a truck. Yeah. Is, you know, Piccolo, his status has kind of changed in the world. Because mm-hmm. when Gale, even though the team wasn't particularly good, when Gale Sayers is out, Piccolo was the lead back. And right. so he's got some added credibility. But then all of a sudden, Mr. Hustle, which is what he was, right. like he strikes you as the guy who wants it the most, but it's not good enough. Right. And he just starts getting run over like a truck. And then they do the weigh-in, and you see that he's lost he's weight. weight. And yeah. he's like, that's because it's going to make me faster and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And you're just like, because I mean, I, I had never seen the movie, but I knew that he got sick. Right. And so when you hear he's slowing down, he's not as strong, and he lost a lot of weight instantaneously. I felt a little silly. I was like, oh no, does he have AIDS? <laughs> and I was like, well, that's like a decade away before that really becomes like a thing. So can I? St- I'm sorry. Can I sure. Stop right there. I had the exact same thought. Yeah. Be- because. A Forrest Gump, and oh sure, and we find out later if you read the Forrest Gump books, it's not AIDS that she has; it's it's hepatitis C. However, oh, I always it, assumed no, it was so AIDS. it's hepatitis C. But the way the movie portrays it is, it leaves it yeah. open to think that it's AIDS. And I was like, why are they saying? Why are they saying he has AIDS? Because like this wasn't even discovered until the eighties, and yeah. like this is nineteen seventy one. Right? Why? That's that's a whole decade off. And then I was like, oh, it's cancer. Never mind. That's, yeah, that's a horrible way to put it. But and and he he has he has cancer, and this is where it, it, it's interesting. You talked about the friendship earlier, where whoever's having the rough time, the other guy steps up. You right. know, Piccolo steps up when Gale Sayers needs help with the rehab. Mm-hmm. Piccolo steps up when the team needs help because right. Sayers is out. But now, Gale Sayers steps up and he's a man right. you know, during this because it's time to tell the team that Brian Piccolo has cancer. Is right. the coach going to do it? Gale Sayers says, nope, nope I'm going to do it. This is, this is uh, but there's some some backstory there that he's a horrible speaker. Like he, oh, he, he's, he's the worst. Yeah. So this, this, him stepping up to do the speech here is really important. Well, yeah, because they they show earlier in the movie when he gets one of the team awards. He his speech. I'll try to recreate it. Is literally like, <laughs> wow. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And like, that's the whole speech. And you even see the two wives are like, oh, come on. We went over this. Like, there was all these things you were going to say, which actually full circle leads to, and it might seem like a cheesy wrap up, but when you read that this is really how it went down, Mm -hmm. leads to probably my favorite scene in the movie is the movie is essentially capped off. I can't remember if Piccolo had just died or if he was just about to die, Mm -hmm. is Gail Sayers gets the Courage Award. Right. And he goes up there, and 
he doesn't bomb the speech. Right. You know, he, he says, you know, I very much, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, I very much appreciate this, but if you want to know the definition of courage, of courage yeah. it's Brian Piccolo. And you're just like, man, I, like I had all the feels right there because, you know, he, he wasn't a good speaker, but when it came time to tell his team what was up, he delivered a powerful message. And when it right. was time to tell the rest of the Bears, the rest of the NFL, everybody watching what was really up with his best friend or one of his mm-hmm. best friends, he was able to step up and put aside his shy, low-key demeanor, which they set up in the first two minutes of the movie. Right. I totally skipped over maybe what I thought was the most hilarious part is <laughs> Brian Piccolo sets up his relationship with Gail Sayers really early because uh, they met at like the Combine or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, you don't remember our conversation? Yeah, I was like, hey, nice to meet you. And he goes, hello. And like he just <laughs> recaps that was in their entire conversation and you get the sense for like the first 10-15 minutes of the movie that's pretty much all Gail Sayers says is yeah. he's like hello yep. just, mm-hmm. that's pretty much <laughs> it and so like I really enjoyed that as well but yeah that, that ending scene is uh, it hits you right in the feels because you know he he steps up he puts aside his mm-hmm. fear of public speaking or his lack of outgoingness uh, for his friend right it, so that yeah, that's how they wrap it up, and it's a, it's a beautiful scene there at the end. All the feels, as you said, again, I didn't think it was a horrible movie, and I think I I, I preface it by saying it was just the way it felt. It felt very nineteen seventy ish. I can see that, but the story's amazing. Yeah, the story's absolutely amazing. I honestly, I, I left the movie, and I was telling my son about it. Uh, I can understand how in nineteen seventy one it mm-hmm. took over the world sure and how some people might have trouble uh kind of associating with it mm-hmm. in 2018 i get that uh and you know there's times when the music is a little cheesy mm-hmm. you can tell when they go to commercial even right. though it's like all kind of su- you know edited right. together you can tell when they go to commercial but a- at the end of the day I thought the acting was top-notch. I thought the writing was top-notch. It made me want to go learn about the actual thing, and Mm -hmm. I think it set the template for like a buddy movie, and it just worked for me. It really, really did, and when I finished it, I was like, I love this movie, and I can see why whenever you look at highest-rated sports movies, this is always Always in the mix, and I can see why. Uh, Well, it's not on Metacritic. I'll give you that. (laughs) I'll give you that little bit of information. They're too good for TV movies. They're too good for TV movies, but this does have some strong strong reviews that we'll get to a little bit later so let's talk about the collectible side you you did some research on uh piccolo and i went to i went to our database to check him out and yeah i, I was fascinated i, I actually this. found some more like i didn't expect to see as much as i i saw on there and there he there's a 1969 kelly chips zip stickers floating out there it cost you about three hundred dollars man shut so, up yeah for real? so wow i mean he doesn't have a, like a lot of high-end stuff but he has like this piece right here, a 2009 Ultimate Collection, Ultimate Generation six jersey patches. Piccolo, hold on, let me read, read you the name of this because this is gonna make you go what? As I as I click and the button doesn't work. Come on, Brian Piccolo, Emmett Smith, Felix Jones, Marion Barber, Matt Forte, and Walter Payton. Okay, so it's a Cowboys and Bears. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a weird collection it's of a, people. It's a weird but, okay. weird collection of people, but. Uh, Hundred seventy five dollars, man. So I, I guess that doesn't 
terribly surprise me because, even despite my reaction just a minute ago, is because this movie makes him a huge deal, right? Right. Because Gail Sayers is a huge deal, absolutely of its own mer- yeah. of his own merit. But you know what I would love to get, and I don't know if this card exists out in the world. I probably should have done this research. Is a it probably would have to be a cut signature, but a yeah. dual cut signature of Sayers and Piccolo together. It sounds like something like maybe a leaf. Or a panini now with a license would put something together yeah, like that. That would be a that'd be a crackerjack card, especially for people of a certain age. Yeah. Who I bet when this movie came on, and this is before. This is another reason I bet this movie was so effective. There's no Netflix or DVR <laughs> or anything like that. Like this is what you're stuck with, you and, and then you watch it and you're like, "Holy crap, this is actually pretty good." You had to sit through the commercials and all that great stuff. So. Uh, 69 tops is where you'll find Brian Piccolo's rookie card, and that has a high book value right now of 80 bucks. And I don't think that's going to go down anytime yeah, soon. Yeah, so. no, because I mean, he was never particularly one of a player, and, uh, and this movie, hey, I'm telling you, man. I, I this movie resonated with me. Absolutely. It will resonate with people. I kind of want that card. So you know what? I bet you could find it fairly cheap on uh, eBay or something like that. You know, probably or one of our sponsors. It, or yeah, you know, maybe the Beckett Marketplace. You can find it there, there too. Uh, so um, he does have ten autographs out there. They're all cut autographs. And uh, see, wow, number to one, number to one, number to one. Okay. Number one. All right. Hey, right so here. They're not going to be cheap. Uh, 2001 playoff national treasure souvenir cuts. Brian Piccolo, Gail Sayers, number one. So it's out there. Whew. Somewhere somebody has that card. Okay. And here's another another one. Uh, just like I said, Leaf 2005 Leaf limited cuts autographs. Brian Piccolo, Gail Sayers, number one. If you give me that card, we'll come do the podcast at your house. <laughs> we can come do it at your house. 2007 uh, exquisite collections dual legendary cuts. Brian Piccolo, Walter Payton. So oh, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. So he's got two two with Sayers and one with Payton out there, and he only has ten certified autographs. So I um, can imagine like the collectible is a whole different world than 50 years ago. Right. Exactly. I can't imagine Piccolo signing all these autographs because by the time he became really famous, it's because he was dead. Uh, yes. <laughs> I don't mean, I don't mean that negatively. I'm just saying, right. It's what it is. Yeah. Uh, 67 bears pros bears pro pizza. Number 10, Gail Sayers. That books for $800. Golly. So, uh, I'm trying to find Gail. Oh, right Golly. here. And that's more than the 1966 Philadelphia Gail Sayers rookie that books for $225. Really? Yes. So, that, I mean, yeah. Okay. Everybody, but see, everybody knows Gail Sayers, right? It's, yeah. it's the piccolo. That's more compelling to me because he only has, he only, let me click on, click on his total cards and tell you, because I, I think it's only like seventy five. It's it's no more than eighty. And to know to know that they uh, forty two. Wow, I was way off. There's only forty two cards. Of that's it. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. In the world of collecting, in, the, in that in that world that you and I dabble in, that's very very limited and awesome. He only played for seven years. Mm-hmm. That's wild. All right, so he played for seven years. But he made the All-Pro team five times, five straight years. He was in the Pro Bowl four times. Mm-hmm. He had almost 10,000 uh, yards from scrimmage because they wow. used him as a receiver right. quite a bit. He had 2,000-plus uh, rushing seasons, which was a really big deal then. And then I think when he retired, I'm not sure if this is still the case, he was the NFL's lifetime kickoff return leader. 
Oh, and wow. so, yeah, and that's not something that really gets highlighted in the movie. But apparently, he was a huge threat as a uh, as a return man as well, which is one of the reasons he's in the Hall of Fame. It's kind of interesting. It reminds me a little bit of uh, of uh, Terrell Davis, you know, because hmm. there was a lot of discussion. He was in the league for eight years, and for four of those years, he's the most dominant running back maybe right. ever. And does that get him into the Hall of Fame? And so, yeah, Gail Sayers also. Rookie of the Year, also Comeback Player of the Year, also on the All-Decade team, has his jersey retired, also on the 75th Anniversary team, mm. also has his jersey retired at Kansas. Think about that. All-time yeah. great player coming from Kansas. Kansas. That's where Barry Sanders already went to college. Anyways. <clears throat> he should have gone to yeah. college? Yeah, he's from Kansas. He should have went. Yeah. He was not recruited in state, in yeah. Oklahoma State. Things, uh, <laughs> things turned out pretty well for him in Oklahoma State. Exactly. Uh Hey, so the HollywoodMemorabilia.com, they have a bunch of Brian Song memorabilia that you can, I can have, see that. Uh, from it's Brian Piccolo jerseys and, and helmets and stuff, but they're all signed by James Caan, which is oh, yeah. which is interesting. And they have a Brian Song's uh, A True Story About Love starring James Caan and, as Brian Piccolo and Billy D. Williams as Gail Sayers. Uh, it's a TV guide cover signed by James Caan from 19 what, – what is that? For, Seventy one, a world premiere movie of the week from nineteen seventy one on ABC. I would, I would kind of be down with that, especially if you got one that was signed by uh, Billy D mm-hmm. as well. Interesting, like for some people, this is probably their iconic roles, mm-hmm. but you know, for me. Both of them have far more iconic roles in that well, I'm a huge Star Wars nerd, so you have to move up to 1980 where Billy Dee Williams will be Lando Calrissian. Right. And then the very next year, James Caan, his career goes insane right? because he plays Sonny Corleone right. in The Godfather. And How do you feel about those movies? I love those movies. Even <laughs> the third one? Uh, the third one sucks. Yeah, yeah. The first two are, is they're awesome. Ma- yeah, they're amazing. And somebody even asked me, has a sequel ever won Best Picture? I was like, ah, yeah, Godfather yeah, 2 won absolutely. Best Picture. Empire Strikes Back should have won Best Picture. Uh, but, and then, you know, he's pretty iconic for for Misery as well. I know that's an iconic role. Oh, yes. But I instantaneously think of him as Sonny Corleone and then for Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there's a section of people, especially Bears fans, football fans, that these are the roles. These are the roles. Like the hell yeah. with Star Wars, the hell with Godfather. Right. It's Brian's song. That's the most iconic thing ever. There's got to be, this is like got to be a really high up man cry movie too. I'll bet. It's probably like this one in like Field of Dreams or something I like that. I can see that. So also here on the memorabilia, this, I just found this, this is pretty cool. Um, Again, with the Brian Songs poster, they, there is one available of Billy D. Williams. It's an autograph movie poster, eighty nine bucks. Not not bad. There's a there, and there's a mini helmet and another poster that's identical to the one I just mentioned, signed by Gail Sayers and Billy D. Williams. Oh, so what's the mini helmet? At? It, the mini helmet is two twenty four ninety five. All it right. is available. I'm sorry, it's not a mini, it's a full size helmet. That's not a mini helmet. Wow, that's, that's a full size helmet. And then the 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 movie poster is one sixty five ninety five, which is both of those guys have passed on now, so you know, absolutely, pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah, pretty cool there. Um, this got nominated for. Hold on, let me get it right. Uh, Eleven wins and eight nominations. This thing killed at award shows, like the Emmys and stuff. Yeah, right? so, since it was a TV movie. Uh, yep, Golden Globes, USA, a nominee, best made, best movie made for TV. That was a nominee. Uh, Primetime Emmy Award. And I'm sorry, did you say Billy D. Williams is dead? Is, I'm sorry, is he not dead? He most certainly is not dead. Maybe it's just the sh- the the 
the the malt liquor commercials that are dead. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. I was like, hold on. I'm sorry, I got it wrong. Is he not? He's not fast. He is not dead. He's all right. Uh, not rest in peace. Then okay. Uh, <laughs> winner. So primetime Emmy Awards winner. Uh, outstanding single program, drama or comedy. I'm gonna stop you right there. Mm-hmm. Gail Sayers is not dead either. Gail Sayers is not dead either. Why are you trying to kill people on this thing? I don't know. It's just the theme of the movie, maybe. Man. Man. You're a hater. I'm a, I'm a hater. Billy D. Williams and Gail Sayers both live, my friend. Where do they live at? Do they live together? I mean, in my in my heart. <laughs> in your heart. Do. I was totally wrong. I'm a jackass. I'm sorry to listen I to that. I don't know if I should believe any of what you're saying. <laughs> uh, so, Primetime Emmy Awards. They, this, they just raked here. Um Outstanding performance by an actor in a supporting role, Jack Warden. Outst- oh, yeah, okay. Outstanding writing and achievement in drama adaptation, William Blinn. Outstanding achievement in cinemato- cinematography, uh, mm. Joseph F. Byrock and American Broadcasting Company. Oh. Outstanding achievement in film editing, Bud Isaacs. I like that name, yeah. Bud. Yeah. That's a good name, Bud. And that's a strong last name, too. <laughs> Isaacs. Uh, outstanding, single, outstanding single performance by an actor in a leading role, James Kahn. Outstanding single performance by an actor in a leading role, Billy D. Williams. Oh, both of them. Uh, right. So those were nominees. Uh, another nominee, Outstanding Directorial Achievement in, in Drama, uh, Buzz. Buzz Kolick. Buzz and a bud. Some strong names here. Uh, These, again, still nominees. Outstanding Achievement in Music Composition, uh, Outstanding Achievement in Film Sound Editing, and Outstanding Achievement in Film and Sound Mixing. mixing. And then uh, American Cinema Editors nominee. Well, that's a whole different movie. Why is that in that list? Nominee Eddie, Best Edited Television Program by Bud S. Isaacs. Oh, Okay. okay. And then Director's Guild of Award uh, winner, Outstanding Directorial Achievement for Movies. Grammy Awards winner, Best Instrumental Composition. Oh, yeah, for the Brian's theme. Yes, uh, Online Film and Television Award Associations. This was in 2000. Uh, OFTA TV Hall of Fame movie. Nice. Winner. Peabody Award winner. PGA Award. <laughs> Oh, this the producers this, guild. This, All right. This is uh, TV Land Awards, uh, blockbuster movie of the week. <laughs> James Caan and Billy Dee Williams. This thing raked. I mean, and I could see, especially at the Emmys, it really is well made. Like, yeah, I, I know it, it. There are times when it appears and seems dated, but it came out forty-seven years ago. So, like, right. when you keep that in mind, not so bad. Not so bad. Again, I'm sorry for trying to kill off Billy Dee Williams and James Caan. They're still very much. I'm, and I'm, Gail, Gail Sayers. Gail Sayers too. I, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm, I'm a little flabbergasted now that I'm just. You get to tell me that Brian Piccolo is really still alive. <laughs> Brian too. Piccolo lives in. Brian Piccolo lives in Malaysia with Tupac. What? <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I was going to bring up Godfather, but you brought it up, man. He was absolutely it just set his career on fire after that. So there's that, and then Star Wars, of course. Let's get to the ratings. This I'm surprised by. On the. Uh, Again, it's not on Metacritic, but I'm surprised by it because, well, I'll let you guess first, and I'll tell you why I'm surprised. Were you on Rotten Tomatoes? No, this is uh, uh, IMDb first. Man, IMDb's got soft, So, but I do think this is a quality movie. I'm going to say an 8. I feel good about it's this. It's not an 8. It's a 7 and a 7.6, which is where our, okay. where we always land. Sure. We never, I don't think we've ever done anything 8 or above. Oh, We're going to have to change that next season. How is this not a... 
yeah. I mean, this should be at least an eight or a nine. Yeah. Like, okay, whatever. The voters at the Emmys have spoken. And they exactly. Say, Wrong IMDb. Wrong indeed. Now, uh, Brian's song on Rotten Tomatoes. You know what I'm going for at 85%. Bro, it's higher. Yeah? Yes. What's it at? 92%. That's what I'm talking about. This was a strong Thank film. Thank you. Strong, strong film uh, on on Rotten Tomatoes. The audience score, they give it an 82, but on the tomato meter, it's a 92%. And I think that's right. And this, and this is, like I said, this is one of those movies that, that's why I really wanted to see this movie, because I realized whenever you look at, like, greatest sports movies of all mm-hmm. time, it, this only comes up with, like, a certain generation, but whenever you look at the ratings for it, it's always up there yeah. on people's lists, and I was like, I've never seen this movie, I don't know why, I need to see it. Well, I mean, it came out before I was born, that's probably why, sure. but still, I've seen a lot of things that have come out before I was born, and I wanted to see it, and it was well worth my time. I think it, it, was, it was great. It was, it was absolutely great. I did, like I said earlier, it's dated to me a little bit, but that's I can, fair. I can get past that because it was really strong. And it's got such a positive message to it. Like, you know, unlike Last Boy Scout, like I like Last Boy Scout a lot, (laughs) but there's not like a positive takeaway from that so much as this is about two guys who really existed, Mm -hmm. who didn't get along at first, who shouldn't have gotten along because of their race and because they were competing for the exact same position. But when push came to shove, they both lifted each other up when either one went through traumatic parts in their life and they were there until Piccolo's very end. it's, It's a really inspiring story. It is. It absolutely is. All right. That wraps it up for us almost, but we got to talk about the three things that we would want from this film. I mean, man, now that you're going through some of these collectible things, I really want like that Piccolo and Sayers like autograph one of one card. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But, you know, that. Keeping in mind, they're all still alive. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Except for Piccolo. Uh, So, you know, I honestly think a a Piccolo jersey, Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to steal your thunder there. I know jersey's usually a go-to, but I think that would be cool. If there was a spot where they had a signed helmet of the two of them together, and then... You know, I just I I love that iconic like the the black bear's helmet, and so you know maybe like a Hallis hat. Okay, too. I'd, all right, I get down with that. This all right. So these are things that were actually in the film for me that I saw with my own two eyes. I want that speech that Piccolo wrote oh, yeah. for Sayers that he didn't use. Yeah, when he was like, "Thank you." Yes, I want that because it was on a, a yellow note sheet. Oh, can I can I ask for the Courage Award? <laughs> yeah, you sure. I can. want the Courage Award now. Then, <laughs> then I'll take the Rookie of the Year Award. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so there, absolutely. And there's those two things, and then um, I want the game jersey or whole uniform actually of when uh, Sayers blew up his knee. Yeah, and that I want that whole thing. I could see that. I want that whole kit. All right. Uh, yeah, there you go. Those are the three things that we want. Uh, we advertise next season being basketball, but I want to call an audible and do boxing. Are you cool with that? Well. If you're okay. I'll tell you this much. All right. Creed 2 is coming out. So All right. So we're on the same page here. I love the Rocky movies. Mm-hmm. Over the span of the last week, mm-hmm. my son and I watched Rocky 1, Rocky 2, Rocky 3, Rocky 4, and Creed. Okay. And so we started. And so I would imagine that Rocky would be in the mix. So needless to say, I'm already ready for some boxing. So I'm all about that. Okay, let's do boxing. Let's do this, though. Let's, let's do the first ever props new movie review. 
Creed 2 comes out next week. Can you go see it? Yeah, it comes out... Uh, On Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, so I'll see it. So you let, let's go see Creed 2. Okay. And we'll start with Creed 2. Sure. Is that cool? I'm in. All right. Uh, Can well, I, real quick, yeah, before we yeah. go, I just want to... Sorry, I know I always shameless plug alert, but since we're talking about Thanksgiving, shameless plug alert, a little closer to my heart, mm-hmm. is the day before Thanksgiving, which right. is when Creed 2 comes out. Exactly. 6 p.m. that Wednesday to 6 a.m. Thanksgiving morning, we'll be doing our fifth annual Peace-a-thon. Yes, this is All a great thing. of the proceeds go to my possibilities, and we have no expenses or anything, so literally all the money we bring in from donations, mm-hmm. you can go to 1053thefan.com. We'll have a page up for that. All the money we get in from the auction stuff, and you guys have really been generous and already donated a bunch of autograph and memorabilia mm-hmm. Cowboys cards right. to go with it. Y'all were a big part of it last year as well. We're going to try to get you on the show. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, if you guys get the chance to listen, 6 p.m. the day before Thanksgiving to 6 a.m. Thanksgiving morning, get the chance to go to 1053thefan.com or check out my possibilities. We'll be raising money for them. And if you get the chance to listen, look, bid donate anything yeah. we would very much appreciate um just from my personal standpoint i got to be a part of that show last yeah. year and the the amount of money was raised was awesome it's going to a a cause that is near and dear to my heart as well so it's it's something guys if you're listening to this please just go check it out go to 105.3.com uh, on the fan.com and check out uh first the knc masterpiece you'll get all the details there and then that that marathon it's it's a fun little thing to be a part of, man. It gets the, weird. The guests that you guys pull out. It gets weird. Uh, it gets a little weird. Uh, uh, what's the guy, the, the, the German DJ? Fula. Fula, yeah. Fula man, he, there. he was awesome last year, and uh, you guys spin the wheel of misfortune every hour is that yeah, correct? yeah and we have challenges and mm-hmm. this year we are going to tweak it up a little bit where maybe the more money we raise the more mm-hmm. ridiculous things we'll do and Corey has even stated if we hit i think we're still negotiating a number he'll get a tattoo oh he will yep uh what is the lovely lady's name who runs my possibilities what is her name do you remember oh uh, charmaine yeah yes uh last last year i saw the lovely charmaine make a uh, packet of gravy in in parker hillis's mouth <laughs> she did <laughs> that uh the the will of misfortune is nothing you want to be a part of but the 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 greatness of my possibilities is it's 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 helping people uh, who who need it and it's an absolutely amazing thing and i i didn't know about my possibilities until last year but i'm firmly a supporter of them now thank you very much and we really appreciate that all right so boxing next boxing next first ever brand new movie brand new movie review cut that's a wrap